The third pick will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. at the high podcast we're back after a while because something finally happened this hornets related uh the draft lottery was oh before we get into that i'm joined by zach as always zach how are you i'm well i'm healthy and uh i added a new member to my family so congratulations on on the new member in the family a new hornets fan right hopefully Uh, (laughs) do i want to put that on her her name is sadie brown and she's healthy and her mom's healthy and i don't know if i want to saddle her with being a hornets fan (laughs) you know what she she already has a hornets jersey so i guess we're halfway there she's she's already there welcome to hornets fandom sadie um she's the the good luck charm i guess and then we're also joined by uh chase you heard laugh who joins us sometimes hey chase how are you i'm all right man just keeping myself busy (laughs) <laughs> That's, you have been keeping yourself busy chase you're all over at the hive.com work. <laughs> I try oh, yeah I, I appreciate that i will say just like a behind the scenes thing if i realize that i like nothing is scheduled for like the next day or the current day and i go in and i look and see that chase is already writing something or has something scheduled I'm like oh thank god for chase like one thing a week at least <laughs> Just so, like, because there's times like, I mean, I have no idea what I'm going to write about. I got to figure out a story, and then I'll see, like, Chase has something queued up. I'm like, oh, well, that's one more day I have to figure something out, so. I'm glad I can, you know, create <laughs> less work for everybody around here. And Zach, you saved me with that, too, with the, uh, with the number one jersey. Where I, yeah, man, again, I, I threw people a curveball with that number one jersey. I, I wasn't expecting that. Right? Me neither. Me neither. It's but an awesome. It's a modern jersey. It doesn't throw back to anything. Like it's a future. You know the the purple jerseys are great, and I love it. And they're number one on basically everybody else's list. But I I like the future looking of those jerseys, though they don't wear those jerseys anymore. No, it's the one time city jerseys that they do. But I did like those. I remember when they first came out, though. I was like, oh, these are really cool. We got something different for once. Yeah, and sadly, every picture that I found of the jerseys contained Kemba Walker in them. So <laughs> well, that's just like everything Hornets you. related from like 2014 <laughs> to 2019. Um, yeah, but so yeah, thank you for doing that. But anyway, and, and the real reason we're here is not to talk about people writing stories for Dive. It's the draft lottery. It was Thursday night. And for the first time, basically ever since the Hornets, the new iteration of the Hornets since they returned in 2002 whatever it was our our, we our luck showed up yeah we got lucky we moved up for the first time since like 1994 and moved up from the eighth pick to the third pick which is a big deal did you guys both watch it live yes i did oh god bless you both you did (laughs) i did not i was watching live basketball um, exactly in in between games when they did the draft lottery but I mean, I've been watching all these bubble games, and I knew that the lottery was happening. But you know what happens, whether or not I watch it or not, and I can just text you after it happens. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just 
I um have to watch it. Well, one, I have to watch it because it's like my job. But right. also, like, I need to know right away. Like, I can't. I need to know as soon as possible what's happening. Yeah, I get that's you, me but too. You can, I get you, but you can just watch the app, and it immediately updates when it tells you. Yeah, you know. but that doesn't have like the pomp and circumstance. And of stuff. course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. <laughs> So yeah, like, right. so Chase, what was your like? I want to hear your before I tell you, share mine. I want to hear your like experience watching it, like what you were thinking and your reactions and stuff. Well, I mean, I was playing Xbox truthfully before it happened. I saw. I, I did see your tweet. It said like my Warzone game ended just in time for the lottery. Yeah, no, it was perfect. I died, and then I looked to my left, and like they had Steph Curry on the screen, like talking. <laughs> so it was it was perfect timing, but. Like, when I saw, like, the orange come up for eight for, like, yeah. the Knicks logo, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is actually, ha- like, they moved up. Like, what I was I was just completely flabbergasted. And then I went to commercial, which I, I knew happened, like, anyway beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, if they're not eight, or, like, they're going to be in the top four, and then I'm not going to find out where they are for, like, another ten minutes after that, yeah. which was very stressful. But... <laughs> I mean, it was it was so insane when I saw that Knicks logo come up. I, it was because yeah. I it just knew that they're well, at least fourth. Yeah. So like, what happened with me is, like, once it got started, I was when they opened the ninth pick, I was fully expecting the ninth pick to be the Hornets, just because that's how it works. So I knew the Wizards. I was like, all right, Wizards, usually Wizards, works Wizards, that Wizards, way, Wizards. right? Yeah. And then when the Wizards popped up, I'm like, all right, good. At least like the worst case scenario didn't happen. And then, like you said, it was the Knicks. I'm like, oh my god, like. Like, this is I've, the best case scenario. <laughs> well, I've always been under the impression that, like, the NBA, because the Hornets are, like, the most forgotten franchise in the NBA. The NBA just, like, forgot to assign them ping pong ball combinations. And that's why they always dropped in the lottery, because they just never <laughs> they got just the, Weren't involved in the lottery. Yeah, they, just, yeah. they just, like, weren't in it. They just, it's like, oh, whoops, we forgot to include the Hornets. It's whatever. They probably wouldn't have won anyway. So... <laughs> Well, actually... given our our drafting history, we don't really do very well with the balls that we get, you know. Yes, so it's just so, but that you know that theory out the window. It's like, oh, the Hornets are actually you know important members of the league. And then <laughs> my my happened? no, go ahead, Zach. go ahead, Zach. No, go ahead, John Jonathan. So commercial, and now you're like, all right, so the Hornets are in the top four, and it was like almost a little disappointing when they were only third. Like uh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I was like, all right, we're fourth. We might as well be one. Yeah, yeah. So now it's like now it's like yeah, you have a new thing to root for. Like we're gonna be one. We're gonna be one. And then now it's like oh, we're only three. But then so there was like a moment of disappointment before I kind of came back to be like no, like we moved up from eight to three. Like this is this is perfect. It's not perfect, but you know, asking for more would be too greedy. Yeah, okay, we'll so, take, definitely gotta take it. Yeah, I have a question for both of you. Of these three picks, these top three picks, um, how many players do you put in that top three? Uh, giving a, a cursory glance at the like top 10, top 12 kind of ranked players, yeah. how many of those do you think could go in the top three realistically? Five? Yeah. Yeah. Five is probably a good Something number. like that. Um Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think it's the five that a lot of people have. I think Chase and I are pretty similar with the who the five we are, we have, and it yeah. does not include the one that I see the most. I think he's leading the uh, the poll that I put for who do you want the Hornets to pick. Uh, yeah, last I checked, I think. 
Yeah, it was Wiseman. That was he is a narrow lead over Lamelo Ball. There we um, go. I guess oh. we can go ahead and get into talking about these prospects, right? We can talk about the yeah, five and before we do, and you can cut this out if you want to, Jonathan. Nah, I, I do think it's important <laughs> to mention uh, that Steph Curry had cornrows. Anybody, oh, that is very uh, important. Uh, that is very uh, important. Yes. To I mean, that as well. Um, can I just I thought, say, and again, you should really cut this out because I shouldn't have any opinion about it. But it's a it's a no for me, dog. It's a no. For <laughs> me. I saw two funny like tweets about it. I saw one that was, or yeah, one was like Steph Curry hat that was like for black people in the NBA Live '99, like default cornrows. <laughs> and yeah, then like, the, like haircut seven or something. Yeah, exactly. Like and the other one is I he thought he looked like he. It's like every like twelve year old girl when they go on like a cruise or something, <laughs> and they get the air braided. Oh yeah. man, I just oh man, we should but move on because those things aside, I did. I mean, it didn't think it was a bad look, but it was a it was a funny. It was kind yeah, of a I like surprise. The, uh, I liked him switching it up. He's I mean, he's had basically the same uh, haircut for like ever yeah, since he beat, yeah. was at yeah. Davidson. So, I mean, I, I, I think supposed to switch it up. I think it was it, it just be given like the circumstances it was made it funnier because it's like everybody's on summer vacation and everybody's kind of going crazy with like quarantine and you know all that stuff. What to do? And, yeah, yeah. What to, like what do I do when there's a few options and it's like oh so that burnt well, like Steph three hours break. of his day, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, oh, I, I, that was a that was a fun little little side story from the from the lottery. And in a certain number of net worth, you can put your hair whatever style you want. I, yeah, you know? I mean, he, what's he got to lose? Like he's he's already he's already married. He's got kids. He's got a family. He's like a multi multi millionaire. Like what what's what's a what's a bad haircut gonna do? I don't think it was a bad haircut, but even if it was, who cares? And Jeremy Lin's like, oh man, what am I gonna do next? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Jeremy and his his. Oh, his he has hair. so many bad haircuts. <laughs> Anyway, to the secondary story of the night, uh, draft prospect. <laughs> yeah. Chase, who are your, your five? Zach, do you have like your own five that you've kind of settled on? Oh, or man. No, not okay. a, no. I want to hear from you guys, uh, and then I want to tear your opinions apart. That's yeah. what I'm here for, right? <laughs> who are your five, <laughs> Chase? Or four, who of players you want the Hornets to pick from at three? Well... I get it's like it depends so much on how like how the first two goes I guess like I'm obviously assuming, yeah, yeah I guess it's assuming it's some combination of like Wiseman Ball Edwards or like maybe Denny Abdia or like Killian Hayes I guess would probably be in that list too but if it's like if everything goes according to plan I would definitely want Lamelo Ball at first mm-hmm. and foremost but because I think Minnesota would probably. If like if there's no trades or anything, I think Minnesota would probably pick Edwards, and then the Warriors would probably pick Wiseman, and then hopefully, hopefully anyway, yeah. And then the Hornets <laughs> are just picking from Ball and FDA and Hayes and O'Connor and all them. But I, I mean, I definitely want Lamelo Ball first and foremost. Anthony Edwards would probably be the number two, and then probably O'Connor would be my third selection. The three is kind of high for him anyway, so I don't. Yeah, I, don't really know about that I think the thing that I always you just kind of have to take who you want. Because like if the Hornets speaking to the Hornets, like if they really want Okongwu, they have to take him at three. Like there's not like oh we have to do the whole value thing. Like just take your guy. Um, I had the five that I would be happy to pick, and I 
knowing how my brain works, as soon as we pick anybody, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm on board because they're Horner now. But in this right. pre-draft process, uh, it's Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. I'm kind of like even on them. I don't really have a preference either way. I can see, you know. And then the next three are Avdia, Okongwu, and Hayes. Probably. Mm-hmm. Not not Wiseman. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want that. <laughs> what's 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 there to see? He didn't play half the season um, at Memphis. Well, he, we played three games. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, to prepare for this podcast, I was looking at some some game film, and I was looking at the highlights for James Wiseman, and it's almost all one game, and it's against South Carolina State, mm-hmm. and he looks mm-hmm. great against people who would not <laughs> sure, get drafted sure does. near the first round, you know. And I wanted to ask you, Chase, you were talking about LaMelo Ball, and LaMelo Ball seems to be what, you know, consensus is a weird word for this draft, but LaMelo Ball seems to be the consensus at number one for the Timberwolves. Why, though? What, what, when has he played against actual talent? Um, And what has he done in Australia that, you know, makes you believe that he could be the franchise player that we could even pick at number three, especially if, you know, um, Edwards goes early. Well, I think the outlet, the NBL is like really good. People, I mean, obviously it's not as quite as good as the NBA or maybe even like the G League, but I think the NBL is like a pretty talented league from top to bottom. Like he played with Aaron Brooks on his team who used to play for the Rockets and was like pretty, he was a pretty good NBA player for a handful of years. But I mean, even in that league that is like not quite as talented, I think he still showed enough to like just enough creativity and skill just to show that he can play in the NBA because his passing is absolutely insane. Like I think he probably entered the league as at at worst, a top five passer, probably top three, like in the entire league, just because there are things that he does with ball, with the ball and like passing angles and and just creative skip passes and like wraparounds and dump offs that just other people just simply don't do at any level. Like age, the creativity that he has is just is basically just unmatched, like ever. So I, <laughs> and his his assist to turnover ratio was two point seven as an eighteen year old in a professional basketball league. So I mean, I feel like it, his decision making is already solid, and that's like something that you kind of look for in a young player because if they have like the feel for the game that he has on that end, like you don't, you really just have to build skills around that. Like you just tweak his jump shot a little bit. He did shoot 26% on jump shots in Australia, which is definitely bad and is something that people <laughs> it did, point to it a lot. It did trend up. It did trend yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. It, it did, yeah, he did go up, and he he can hit pull-ups a little bit. It's just he's not a spot-up shooter at all. But if he was on the Hornets, I don't think that'd be what he was asked to do really anyway. But I just think that over the time, he, he got hurt as well in Australia, which kind of hindered his ability to show his full repertoire through like a, throughout like a whole season. But – I think he definitely showed enough to see that he would his skill level is probably going to translate to the NBA and at least he's going to be a really really good passer and good pick and roll player that is like a 6768 point guard. <laughs> if he fills out a little bit, he's at least going to be able to defend like a couple positions. Yeah, he like the, the I got to yeah, go ahead. I just did a top three, top five passer in the NBA on day one is really hard for me to imagine. Um, do you he, feel the he, same way? Th- 
Jonathan? So, yeah, it's kind of like what Chase was saying. It was like the creativity he has is very rare, like very, very rare. Um, and to be that creative and that and even kind of flashy and like the audacity he has to attempt some of the passes he does and to still like it's very easy yeah. on that age to have tons of tons of turnovers. And normally, like, high turnovers are kind of seen as a good stat for point guards when they're developing because it means they're seeing things and they're trying to get teammates involved. They're just reckless and they're still fine-tuning their decision-making. The fact that at this early stage of his development, he's already that clean with the ball despite how high – like, what seems like high-risk passes, like these no-look passes, cross-court passes, like that he still takes care of the ball and he's playing on a trash team. It's like it's very impressive. Like yeah, he can't, he carried them, and he's yeah. again he's eighteen. Yeah, they went five and twenty three, and I want to say like a, a couple of those went like at least a couple of those ones were in the first half of the season when he played. Like I, I'm not going to look through it right now, but yeah. So his team was bad. He still, and I think that also kind of shows one of the big concerns with him is his attitude and stuff. But I think the fact that he's still such a willing passer and he's still you know, bought in and tried to make his team better despite playing on a trash team that he knew he was only going to play for for one year. I does do think shows a little bit of growth from him from what we saw as a high school kid and kid in Lithuania where they were the stories where he's super entitled. He didn't care. He was just out there to like mess around and show off and stuff like that. So I do, I, I, I agree just, with Chase. I, I, I'm good. Yeah, I've never seen his brother play. I, I know that we've heard good reports from an Australian league that is good in the, in the world context, but I know it's going to be hard to be a point guard who can't, at least hasn't shown the ability to stretch the floor. Yeah. Um, and we've seen point guards specifically who don't have the ability to stretch the floor that they're passing even though they're really good passers because the floor closes because you can't stretch the floor. It's hard to make those crazy passes, those athletic passes. Um, and it's I, not as similar to Ben Simmons in the fact, except he's got a lot more shooting potential than Ben Simmons because he at least actually wants to shoot. He just needs yeah, to be, he's not short for confidence that he will <laughs> take them at least. Yeah. He just needs somebody to, you know, because his jump shot is like the least repeatable jump shot I've ever seen. Like he shoots it differently every single time he shoots it. And if he can get someone to like fine tune his mechanics and his consistency, I think he has the touch and the like shooter. All I'm saying is that we've had a top three pick before and we took somebody who wasn't a good I shooter know. and I can't remember what happened, but I don't think it turned uh, into a champion. We're all we're all scarred from that. And I think like when we were picking <laughs> eight, I remember looking like liking Isaac Okoro and thinking the same thing. It's like I would probably be much higher on Isaac Okoro if he wasn't so similar to MKG. Just like on the surface of like, oh yeah, wing that's high energy, good team player, but can't shoot. It's like, oh, well, normally I'd be like, we could teach him to shoot, but then we've seen how that can go. Chase, did you say what your top five was? I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Uh, yeah, I would say like tier one with like Lamella Ball and Anthony Edwards, just one and two. Like I'd prefer them greatly over anybody else if sure. the luck happens to fall that way and one of them is failable. And then three, four, five is probably just Killian Hayes, Onyeko, Kongwu, probably Denny Abdia as well would probably that, be my fit to round out the top five. We, we, yeah, we, we have, we the have same tiers. Yeah, exactly. No, it's oh. before the show. Okay, so you have kind of the same top five, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like, I think Chase likes Lamelo ahead of Edwards, where I find I'm kind of even with them. 
And then I think Avdia is my favorite of the next tier, but I don't like, I'm not like pounding the table for him over Hayes or Okongwu. All right. Can I ask, what are the needs of the Charlotte Hornets? And does that affect your choice for them at number three? Should that affect your choice? No. No, okay. definitely, yeah. Definitely. Mitch Kupchak player available. That. I don't know if you guys saw his. I, I I can't find if they had a whole interview or I can't find like any of the other quotes from their little interview. But basically, he said, "We're not picking for need. We aren't at a point where we can be trying to fill holes. We need to just get talent." And he's right. I can't believe that the name Obi Toppin hasn't come up. We'll go. We'll get. To that, get to that. We're gonna do okay. a commercial break real quick, and then we'll talk about a couple more players. Welcome back to the second half of the post lottery at the high podcast. Zach, right before the break, you talked about you brought up the name Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, real name, no gimmicks. Um, Obi Toppin. Yeah, how about a guy with some actual film? How about some guy, a guy who wasn't hurt or didn't find reasons not to play for <laughs> his team? He came in to college basketball, as far as I understand, as an unheralded prospect. He, he is a zero star recruit. Yeah, which is crazy. Freshman. And after playing junior college. Did the thing that players do uh, throughout sports when they're kind of underrated, which he played with a chip on his shoulder, he played with extra, ex- he was excited, he played with a lot of athleticism. Uh, I think almost every highlight that I saw is him slamming the basketball. And when he's not <laughs> slamming the basketball, gentlemen, what is he doing? Shooting three pointers. Now, I, I'm, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I've never seen the NBA before, but I think that shooting a three-pointer is is a really good thing to have, especially when you're 6'9 and can play with a Miles Bridges who can't stretch the floor as much or play with a P.J. Washington, and no one is going to be able to guard those two people. I'm almost a little mad that Chase and I are like in lockstep with these prospects because we can't really debate them. We can just like echo each other's opinions, but... I don't, I don't like, I, don't, I think I'm lower on Obi Toppin than Chase's though. So the thing is, is he's a great college player. One, even though he's a sophomore, he's 22 and a half years old. Like he'll That's be old. 20. Yes. He'll be 23 before the end. Well, even if the season started at its regular time, he'd be 23 before the end of his regular, uh, before the end of his rookie season. So there's that. Like he's older than. He's not on the, he's not on the Hornets timeline kind of. I mean, he's on the timeline, but like you know, like we drafted Miles Bridges as a sophomore at two seasons ago, and they're the same age. So there's there's that. Um, I just so like obviously the dunks are cool, and he's super athletic, and I do think he can be a vertical threat. Um, the issue I have is like one that skill isn't super hard to find, or you can find like a reasonable like facsimile of that skill. And then the other appeal with him is his outside shooting, but I'm very, like, I'm not sold completely on the idea that he'll be able to be a knockout at the NBA level like he was in college. Because his form is funky, and it's slow, and he was basically wide open on every jump shot he took. And even then, some and whenever he was rushed a little bit, he's, he threw up some, like, bad, bad bricks. 
So yeah, I don't basically know. Basically, the only you, way you he's going to be about good. Yeah. 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 Like, basically, the only way, like Jonathan said, that he, I think he could be like a high volume, like high percentage three point shooter is if he's just getting a million pick and pop attempts like every night. Because he doesn't have the mobility to just locate off ball just and find, like, kind of create a shot for himself off ball, I guess, and just find a spot. Like, he doesn't have the lateral quickness for that. Like, he's much more of, like, a straight line speed type of guy. I think it'd be a lot easier for NBA defenses to defend him and make sure he doesn't get open threes than it will be or than it was for when he was at Dayton, which I think is, like, a big, like, drawback to his potential because his, like, if he does end up being like a high volume, high percentage three point shooter, like he probably is going to be really good. And at that point, I will definitely raise my hand and say I'm wrong because like his offensive production, if he ends up like being the same kind of player as he was at Dayton, is going to probably outweigh his really bad defense. But I'm <laughs> just not really a bad. huge believer that that's going to happen. But if it does, I mean, he would be really good. I, guess. I think that is a good point you made, and I think a lot of so the big concern with his defense is his his kind of like his lateral mobility and it's he's very high center of gravity and he doesn't seem to have very good balance. And I think people think of that in the terms of like sliding with defender or sliding as a defender and stuff like that. But it does matter on offense. Like you said, as a shooter, because he takes a long time to like decelerate and regain his balance and get set for a shot and stuff. And so if, if he's only a three point shooter, if he's popping out to wide open threes, like, there aren't that many wide open threes in the NBA. You usually have somebody running at you. It's so and, crazy when you have unequal amount of information about all these prospects because oh, it's, yeah, it's, we, it's we don't know game. what the jump shot looks like on a lot of these other players, you know? Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. I've also seen highlights of him passing and he seems to have a good playmaking mind. He seems to be able to see the court a lot the the idea is a stretch four right the idea is that you can switch on everybody on defense although his defense isn't good though they don't play defense in the nba anyway so it probably (laughs) won't matter and that he can hit the outside shot and that he's an athletic inside person i see a world in which especially the offense that the hornets are playing now that you can play kind of a, a houston rockets kind of offense where there is no central center where you can play Obi Toppin at 6'9", or you can play a, a PJ, or you can even play a Miles at center, um, and you're giving a little bit away on the defensive end, but you're running the floor and scoring more points. That's the argument for Obi Toppin, though I understand he's older, and I'm kind of tired of picking older players, but I wanted to put Obi well, Toppin there because he seems to have a chip on his shoulder, and I like that. I, so I do think he might be best as a center because – Agreed. Offensively, he has an advantage there. You said he, did you say agreed? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because he has an advantage there because he will, you know, that does open up a little more room on the perimeter for him. And he'll have like a quickness advantage and stuff. The problem is he can't guard anybody. Like, if you make him a four, he's just going to get attacked by fours, like directly. Because a lot of fours now are what used to be threes. Like, they can create for themselves. And attack from the perimeter and he can't do that. And if you put him at center, he's going to get roasted in pick and rolls and trying to like, and then it might not be the biggest deal in the initial stages of this rebuild. Like if, if we, if the Hornets draft top in maybe the first two years, it's not that big a deal. It's just like, oh, he's a bad defender. But if you get to like the team, you know, keeps improving and eventually they want to be a playoff team. 
Toppin at this point in his career looks like he's going to be a person that if he's on the floor late in games, he will get like they will try to get him on the ball and just at, attack him every single possession and he will be helpless. Like he's aggressively bad as on defense. I was thinking the same thing when I was watching uh, the Celtics and the Sixers, actually, because that's basically what the Sixers do to Ennis Cantor, like when he's yeah. on Embiid. They, if, like, if he's in a drop coverage, Embiid either just stays on the three-point line and hits the three because Ennis Cantor can't recover out to him because, like, not he's not – Obi Toppin probably is – or obviously is a much better athlete than Ennis Cantor, but they struggle <laughs> with lateral movement in a similar way. And, like, there's just really nothing you can do, like – if you have a big guy like Embiid against him, because he's either if if they can space the floor, he can't recover quick enough, and if he's going to bring him in the paint, he's probably just going to knock him over. So yeah. there's really there's no winning really. And I can't remember. Uh, it was Denver. It was the Denver and Jazz game. Um, late in the game, they would put whoever had Michael Porter Jr. on him would set a screen for Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. switch on Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell would get in the paint every single possession until they took Michael Porter Jr. out. And no matter how good you're on offense, if you get to the playoffs and you get to where you can't even like slow down the ball handler on defense, like do you they have to get you have to get off the court. And I just and like he's so bad and it's like his balance is his footwork is bad, his lateral agility is bad, his like his quickness is bad. Like I just don't the amount of room has improved to be passable on that end is so far that he I don't seems know. Seems like a younger like Marvin Williams. You should really love him. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin Williams is a good defender, though. <laughs> that was like Marvin Williams' thing was he can knock easy, he can defend like any position. Obi Toppin can't defend. He can't defend any position. I just don't know Again, how much, as, especially when they're like rookies. I don't know how much their defense really matters especially in the new nba where the houston rockets the the um portland trailblazers can play zero defense and make it to the playoffs now they can't go far neither of them have really proven that although i think that houston has a chance you can you can make an impact in this league and not be great on defense i think there's multiple examples of that and one of the guys that are being considered at the number one pick, Anthony Edwards, seems to not be very great at defense either. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Chase. Okay. It's, My, it's, it's, I'm having it's a little uh, echoey. Yeah, I'm having a problem. So, Chase, you go first. Yeah, well, I definitely – you agree with the like you don't have to be a great defensive team to succeed and honestly i don't think the hornets are like ever going to be like some lockdown defensive team i don't i don't even think that's what they're going for like i i think that they're just trying to kind of be like a like a run the floor space the floor shoot a lot of threes get a lot of layups offensive team and then kind of just hope to outscore people and play like good like really good like tough defense but not, like not try to trying to be like some slow it down grind it out win games by playing defense team because i mean i don't really think you can do that with Devonte graham being your like point of attack defender at point guard anyway because as much as i love Devonte, he's not the defense isn't his strong suit but i, I and edwards isn't a good defender either and I, neither is really lamella ball at this point i mean he has the as well as edwards they have the physical tools to do it because they're, you know, very tall and have good size for their position. And Edwards is like a built like a brick. So he could defend 
right away if he just locks in and focuses on that end. But it's it's mostly like a mental thing with him, I guess, at Georgia. But his team was horrible, and he had to do everything. So I honestly don't like entirely blame him for checking out on that end <laughs> at some points because I probably like not that I have any experience with being uh, the Anthony Edwards of a basketball team, but I also probably wouldn't try that hard on defense if I had to put up like. 25 points, eight rebounds, and five assists for my team to be competitive either. I, I think there's a chance that that changes in the NBA. But if it doesn't, like, he might just not be a good defender. Like, that might just not be his thing. Like, it might just be like Andrew Wiggins, I guess. Like, where Wiggins could <laughs> – he can turn it on whenever he wants. But whether or not he wants to is just a big if. Yeah, like, Edwards, the tools are there, and he's shown that he can do it. Like you said, it's just a focus thing. And the hope would be that at the NBA level where he's getting paid to do it and he's not going to be the only guy that can do anything that he will buy in more on defense. Especially also, you guys remember, like, these kids are, like, 19 years old. Like, none of them care about defense. They've never had yeah, to defense play defense. defense isn't fun. Yeah. Like, if you watch any high school game or AAU game, they play no, they play no defense. Like, these, high, these, like, high school games where they play eight-minute quarters and the scores are, like, 110 to 95. So they, it's not a thing. Do you that think that Anthony Edwards has the highest ceiling of this draft, or is it Lamelo Ball. Ball? I suppose. I think yeah, I think both Ball. of them. Yeah. So like Ball has the. If they're kind of like complementing each other offensively, at least like Anthony Edwards has room to improve as a playmaker and stuff. Where Ball is like extraordinary at that, but Edwards has that like alpha mentality on offense where he can just get a bucket whenever he needs to, any way he needs to, or ball doesn't have that yet. So I think it's, if he can fine tune his decision-making and clean up like that part of his game, Anthony Edwards, like he's, he's very reminiscent of like Donovan Mitchell and Victor Oladipo, like size wise and kind of his like hybrid, like one, two and ways he can score. Man, those types of comparisons, I, you know, I, I, Oh, these I, are all optimistic, obviously. I but. didn't see them in college, so yeah, I, d- I didn't see them in college, so I don't know what they looked like in college. But when I s- have seen Anthony Edwards, what I see is a, a lack of vision for the court that Victor Oladipo has shown. And again, like you said, he's already in the NBA, and it's be- kind of best yeah. case scenario. And I also don't see the stretching the floor. And maybe he can attack the basket, and maybe he'll be the person that changes the rules a little bit or is that is the exception to the rule but it matters in the modern nba that you can stretch the floor and he wasn't able to really hit a large percentage of his three-pointers right yeah and i know he was doing a lot on that georgia team yeah i know so victor oladipo was a 31 percent three-point shooter as a freshman a 21 percent three-point shooter as a sophomore and a and then he yeah and he jumped up to 44 percent on super low volume as a senior or junior so like it's it's not something that's going to be like always it's it's you kind of have to there's not a one-to-one translation yeah like donovan mitchell was a 25 percent three-point shooter as a freshman and then a 35 percent three-point shooter as a sophomore um so it's it's and again with this like what chase is saying with how much of a one-man show he was he took and this is also partly his fault but his shot selection is a very high degree of difficulty so that hurts the vintages and stuff. He does have stuff to clean up, especially as a catch and shoot player. Like he's he's a little you can tell he's not as confident shooting off the catch, but it's it's not broken. And most players improve their shot when they get to the league. So it's like if there's a, a foundation there, 
you want to believe, you want to trust that the players will get better. And he has a foundation. Okay, can we talk about the guy who would be the unquestioned number one if this was the 90s? And James Wiseman? James Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about him real quick. And then we'll talk. I want to talk about him and then touch on the other three that we listed, uh, Hayes, Adia, and Akangu, just real quick after that. But uh, let's talk about Wiseman. This is, that's a fun one. Chase, I know you. Where did you yeah. have Wiseman on your board? Like uh, when I think, yeah, I, I, I revised it the other day. Because, like, when I saw that uh, Isaiah Joe and, like, uh, Xavier Tillman were back in, I had to put them in anyway, so I kind of just tinkered with the whole thing. I put mm-hmm. him at 14 now because 18 was a, was a little bit rude and <laughs> a disrespectful. Yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a little bit too much, I, and I, I will admit that. But I do have him. He's, like, 14th. But, like, I think that he – like he's not gonna be if he goes number one, he's not gonna be like Anthony Bennett or something and just flame out like after three years. Like he's yeah. not like bad. Like he's obviously he's massive. Like he's seven one, like seven five wingspan. He's like two hundred and forty something, two hundred fifty something pounds. So he he has the the body to play in the NBA right away. And like even if he doesn't develop any skill really, like any ball handling or shooting or playmaking. Worst like, case is like DeAndre Jordan, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like he's still gonna be able to run really fast from one end of the floor to the other and catch dunks that like touch the ceiling and all that. Like you, you, he'll score points and he'll get rebounds. He'll get a couple of weak side blocks every game, and like he'll he'll be like effective, but not anything worth a top three selection. And that's my thing. It's like I think you're banking on him doing a lot of developing to be worth a top three pick like and like the track record of bigs picked in the top three is like if you're not picking or not the top three but in like i guess the top 10 or the lottery as a whole if you're not picking anthony davis or carl towns or Embiid, like you might as well wait because you can get i mean pascal siakam went 27th like they're draymond green went like 33rd or whatever that was in the second round like you can get guys that are effective at that position a lot lower than you can with wings just because the talent level of like being able to create your own shot at will in the NBA is just so much more rare than it is to be really tall and athletic and (laughs) and be able to dunk, I guess, which is like nothing against James Wiseman, but like he'll, he'll be good, but you're banking on him developing a ton to be like a top. Centers are like the NBA's version of running backs. Yes. Like unless they're like top, top, top tier, you can kind of just like, fill it with anybody that's decent at their job and get mostly the same out of it. Yeah. Like you can pick Saquon Barkley second, or you can get Philip Lindsay undrafted. Like that's basically the, the decision you're making yeah. with James Wiseman or picking a big man at 32 <laughs> through the Hornets. Yeah. So like, so yeah, like that's the thing is like his floor is pretty high, which, and I'm not arguing that because there is a place for tall people that can catch the ball and block shots and stuff. It's just that, especially the fact that he played 69 minutes in college. Nice. And he got one steal and one assist. And to me, those are big red flags for – and those are against bad competition too, other than Oregon, which he didn't really play well against Oregon. Yeah. And to me, that's a red flag of – steals are a big predictor of NBA success for whatever reason. I think it's just because it kind of indicates that players have an understanding of the game around them. And assists, just – I know I don't want – you. I don't expect him to be like dropping dimes, but to get like one assist in 69 minutes of action against bad teams – to me suggests that he doesn't really feel the game that well. 
and he just kind of out just is just bigger than everybody. What you're you're saying that because James Wiseman doesn't have a lot of steals at center, it's he's because he doesn't know the game very well. It's it's a general stat. Like generally, right. there's a pretty strong correlation between steal rate and NBA success. Like it's not often that players that don't get steals in college at any position. At any um, position. Yeah. Gotcha. Like like for example, just like for example, like Anthony Davis, and obviously, you know, Anthony Davis is special. But like Anthony Davis is a, you know, very like one of the better defenders in the league. And as a center in college, he averaged 1.4 steals per game. Which, you know, so you want to be like around one, like one steal in three games is not good. Especially, like I said, when he's playing against University of Illinois, Chicago and South Carolina State for the first two games of the season. You think he would, you know, deflect a couple passes or something? Especially being the the like the hulking presence in the lane that he is, but yeah, those teams don't have anyone nearly his size. Like that was that was the thing too. It's like yeah. he is by far the the physical presence on that floor, and he's so it, taking advantage of it. I guess. And I I think I don't know. I there's the appeal that it's like oh he can dribble and shoot, but like I think I don't think it's as rare as people think it is. Like. You can give Dwight Howard the ball, and he can dribble it up the court, like, just fine. Like, that's not a unique skill. Just because you've seen James Wiseman do it doesn't mean he's the only one that can do it. And the jump shot, like, looks fine, but it's not – it hasn't been super effective. And it's not something that, like – even if he can shoot it okay, like, it's the same thing we kind of talked about with Toppin as a shooter. Like, he's only going to get to do it if he's – it's created for him. And do you want to spend a third overall pick on a guy whose offense has to be spoon-fed to him? Because he's not going to create any for himself. I can't. I I know it's not good podcasting, but I agree with both of you. Do you <laughs> don't pick a pick a center, especially now at pick three, and we don't know about James Wiseman. You know, he he left before the season ended uh, because he wanted to prepare for the NBA draft, which is fine because it's not like they were paying him or anything. But I think that it, with that pick number three, especially because we don't know whether or not he's going to be able to hit an outside shot in the pros, you don't go for James Wiseman. You did say Dwight Howard's name. And I just want to <laughs> say real quick, I've been watching too much Dwight Howard in the past week. <laughs> and he's been really good. And he's also been really Dwight Howardy, just pushing people around, really <laughs> smacking people in the face, complaining to the refs. It's been horrible and great all at the same time. I, I don't I'm glad I, he's not with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's nice not to see that every single like Monday, Wednesday, Friday night of just Dwight Howard bullying into people and then throwing his hands up when he doesn't get sent to the free throw line after he shoves somebody. Talk about way. some braids. Talk about some braids. <laughs> He's really gone through transformation since he left here. But I bet he's well, anyway, up talk, storm, since we're talking about centers, I, <laughs> sorry, I, since we're talking about centers, <laughs> we we uh, <laughs> uh, Okongwu, we're both a lot higher on, and he's also a center. Chase, care to explain your reasoning for that? Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of the things that people think James Wiseman is right now is what Onyeka Okongwu, like, actually is, especially yeah. on defense. Because, like, right, I mean, 
it's not like a stretch at all to say that he might have been the best defender in all of college basketball last year, and he was like he was a 19 year old freshman playing on a mm-hmm. like a like a borderline good team in USC. Like and he yeah. he was across the board. Like his defensive numbers were just really really good. His block percentage was like I think it finished the year at like nine point like six, I want to say. But there was at one point in the beginning of the year where it was at like 12.4. So like 12.4% of the opponent's shots that went up while he was on the floor were getting blocked by him, which is insane for a 19-year-old to be able to do in like the Pac-12, like a very, a pretty good basketball conference. So I just think that just on the defensive side of the ball, I would pick him first anyway, just because he's so far ahead in that regard he doesn't have like the he's not 7-1 with a huge wingspan he's I'll like I would say the, the as close to being undersized as you can be without <laughs> actually being undersized I guess like if he was 6-8 that would be a problem standards he's like 6-9 6-10 with like a 7 foot ish maybe 7-1 wingspan or something like that exactly like if this were 2008 he would definitely be a power forward but yeah. Now you can get away with playing a guy that is six nine, six ten, with like a seven foot plus wingspan at center. So I definitely think that that would be like a fine fit. He's not going to do that much offensively, other than get the or finish the buckets that are like spoon fed to him, basically off of pick and rolls or putbacks or anything like that. But I mean, if he ever becomes a guy that can be like a league average three point shooter among centers on like one or one and a half percent or attempts per game that's basically fine. Like he doesn't need to be like, like I know people want centers to be able to shoot. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) people, you want him to be able to shoot, but you don't need him to. And like, if you, if you have someone that's so good at other things, you're like a good coach can just cater the system to that. Like, Oh, this guy's six, nine and he jumps really like quickly off the ground, no matter how many times he's just been jumping up, trying to get a rebound. Oh, maybe we'll just do things with that rather than, trying to have yeah. him shoot like four threes a game or something like that. Yeah. So and plus PJ is a really good shooter too. So that you got, you already have your, your front. Yeah. So Wiseman's defense feels more like projecting to me. Cause like we, we've talked, cause obviously the sample is really small, but it's just like, Oh, he's big and he's at mobile. He's obviously going to be good at defense, but he doesn't really show that in the limits of time that he played. He just like, you just assume he'll get better at it, but you know, you would like to see, especially again with the horrible competition he played. You like to see him like dominate more than he did. I know he blocked a bunch of shots, but he's tall. Like, that's that's gonna happen. Like in terms of his positioning and his stuff like that, not not great from what I've from what I've researched. Okongwu is like really good defender, and he's very like we've talked about it before, Chase. I don't know if we did it on the podcast or uh when we were talking off air but like he's very smooth and very natural looking defensively like he always he puts himself in the right place he moves his feet really well he's got a knack for timing like block like jumping for blocks and steals and stuff like that and then offensively i think he i think he is probably about the same shooting potential as wiseman like from what we've seen just in terms of his form and like he shot 72 percent from the free throw line and stuff like i think he can learn to shoot and then his assist and then he averaged an assist per game and is he's not great at passing, but I, you know, there's a chance that he can, you know, at least become like a connector on offense. You're not going to have him like run your offense, like Jokic or cat or somebody, but like, you know, he got better at it at USD. Like within that season, you notice that he got better. So like, at least in the NBA, you think that that you can trust him to make basic reads and stuff like that. Exactly. 
So I, 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 I like him more as a prospect. I wouldn't, you know, again, he's a center, but I see him having a more, a clearer path to being a more, a better all around contributor than Wiseman. And then he's, he's also closer to like a finished product to me. Like his, cause kind of like what Zach has been saying about how varied what we like the visibility of these prospects, he's put a whole season on tape and you can kind of see more of the strengths and weaknesses. It's clear. He's a clearer picture and he's put more good stuff out there for you to see, I think against a relevant a level of competition. Yeah, he has four seasons of really competitive high school basketball too at Chino Hills that you can watch yeah. as well. So like, he, he's been he's been yeah, exactly. He was Lamelo's teammate when he was a freshman. But so there there's just like he has a really good track record of just being good at basketball <laughs> things for like many years now. Yeah. And he made one three. It was a half court heave, but it was Exactly. Three. And that, yeah, that's farther than any other three that I've seen any other big man make. So. <laughs> he made the longest hard three, argument. So yeah. Hard argument. <laughs> he like banked in a half court shot, like on a double pump, but it's all right. He, you know, shows yeah, the, he, the he can make it from there. He can make it from even closer. Yeah. Just like another Charlotte Hornet great, Lance Stevenson. Double pump, <laughs> hit, hit the back backboard. All right. I don't, I don't think he could have banked that harder. I remember no, I remember watching that. I don't think he could have banked that any harder and had it still go in. He, he and then he jumped on the like, table like he'd won the championship. He overshot it by like three feet, but since it hit the right spot on the backboard, it just it, it fell in anyway. Yeah, the knuckleball had the right spin on it that time. Yeah. <laughs> so the last two I want to talk about on this podcast, because it's going pretty long. Um Dania D and Killian Hayes. They're I feel like he is a forward and Hayes is like a guard or wing or whatever, but they're kind of similar in like what their pros and cons and what they bring to the table is. Would you say, Chase? Yeah, that, I, I've never thought about it like that, but yeah, I mean, they definitely are. Like both of them have the concerning three-point shooting and are, are good, like setting other people up. Yeah, they, they do have like kind of a, yeah. not, obviously not the same, but like an overlapping. Yeah, like Hayes, strength, you know, I guess. as a guard, is going to be more of a, you know, get like more assists and have more ball handling ability. But Adia is a good distributor for a, for, a very good passer yeah. for forward. Um, you guys, you guys just don't want us to ever hit a three point shot. <laughs> okay, so Adia has actually hit his threes really well since, well, or he hit shot really well after the hiatus from the coronavirus. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I saw. The seven or eight games or whatever after the break that they played before the end of the season, he shot like forty something percent from three. So, I think he's I think he'll be a fine shooter. The thing about with all these players is they're very young, and so they're going to be inconsistent. And it's not often that you find like nineteen year olds that are like knockdown shooters that also have the other skills that you look for for NBA players. So, but let me ask you this: there are players in the top fifteen who have averaged 40%, 38%, you know, over 40% that we aren't talking about in the top five. And because the three-point shot is just, I mean, you, you guys both agree with that? The three-point shot is is mm-hmm. very, very important in the NBA right now. Isn't that, so, like, I guess I that's how I organize my mind. It's just like, it matters <laughs> so much that you stretch the floor. Yeah, who are the, the ones off the top of my head? There's Toppin, I guess, and then the wings, like that. And Halliburton, I guess. Yeah, Hall- Halliburton, yeah. Bay, uh, Anthony. I mean, Anthony was 35%. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I, and I like just... the idea of a Cole Anthony too on yeah. the team. But go <laughs> ahead with, with your top five. I'm sorry. It's it's um, it's it, there's obviously it's it's not like there's not a perfect one to one comparison between like college three point shooting and NBA three point shooting. Sure. Just because, and then also you have to look at like um, Neesmith and I think I don't know as much about uh, City Bay. But like they're older ish players and they don't have like they they don't they didn't play like a role I'm trying to way to put this. They played kind of like a role player role in college. So like you expect them to be role players in the NBA. And when you're picking that high, you wanna kinda shoot a little higher, if that makes sense. Would you agree with that, Chase? Yeah. Like I like that like the best shooter, I guess, in the like consensus top ten prospects is probably Devin Vassell. Or Tyrese Halliburton, but like you said, they don't have the other things that like make up for it, I guess. Or like, mm-hmm. like they don't. You, they still have other things to add. Like Aaron Nesmith is a really good shooter. Like, very, very good and, shooter. And, yeah, he's like easily one of the best in this draft, but he's just not really that good. Like, good at anything else. So his peak <laughs> is basically just role player that knocks down a ton of threes and plays like average defense. And like, like, he's like Danny Green, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, that's like Danny something Green everyone is a, needs. Is a very good player in the league. He is, but do you pick yeah. Danny Green third? It would probably put us in the playoffs if we had a Danny Green on our on our team. Oh, and yeah. East, Naismith specifically had that foot injury, and I always get worried about foot injuries. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, foot injuries are bad. Foot and back are the two that concern me, but. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, I just don't – yeah, picking a role player at three – like, at eight, I would have, like – if they had fallen even to nine, I would have been, like, Devin Vassell all the way or, like, Okongwu, who also might end up just being, like, a really specialized role player. But at three, mm-hmm. you just got to – you got to swing for the fences here. Because, like, how – like, when is this going to happen to the Hornets again? When are they going to pick third ever again? We might Maybe never. It might never happen. They might just keep <laughs> the falling thing again. Is- the other thing is the shooting is is a skill that can be taught more universally where because it's like it's a repetitive thing like it's 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 a a process it's like you can fine tune your mechanics and you can get reps in you can't really get reps in things like like lamella ball's creativity you can't like teach somebody to have lamella ball's creativity you can't teach somebody to have any scoring instincts you can't teach somebody to have Killian Hayes's like uh, and Denny Avia's like passing ability and feel for the game and stuff like that. Like you can't teach those things. So you have to kind of find the traits at the top that set these players apart and like give them a path to stardom or all-star or like high level starters. And then the holes in their game, you try to fine tune as opposed to guys like Bissell and Naismith um, where it's like, they have this, very good skill, but the stuff that they don't have isn't something that you can really develop. It's kind of just stuff you have to kind of learn as you go or have an innate feel for, if that makes sense. It does make sense. I I lean towards more of like, I like to see them do it than to see the potential of them doing it. Um, The feel for the game is a hard stat to put a number on. Um, but I do get what you're saying, and I know that there's a part of basketball that's like that and being a, a playmaker, being creative with your passes. But I also like people who can knock down, knock down their shots. I'm very, I lean towards that. 
the thing is, if you have a team full of players that can knock down shots, but no one that can create by themselves, you have a team that can't get shots. I'd like yes, let's yeah. put together a team that everybody can hit to hit their shots and see what happens. Just let's just try, <laughs> try it. Let's just go crazy. You know, what yeah, I mean? but but anyway, you, you have to break down a defense at a point to open to get NBA shots. Like NBA teams aren't going to just leave a team full of spot up shooters open for no reason. You know. Yeah, but so. you put a team full of spot up shooters, and the only the our our pick at number three, although that's a high pick, and I, I agree with you, Chase. We might not get there again. We have to understand this draft is not a very there's not a lot of high top picks on there. So if you get a role player where you can spread the floor, and then you know you put your luck to the wind, and you get someone who can be a playmaker through the through free agency, you spread the floor and let the playmaker do what they do. That's that's a winning um, equation, isn't it? I think it's easier to find a shooter in free agency than like a like a lead ball handler, shot creator, offense generator. Yeah, those are the fair expensive enough. ones usually. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's it's the whole that's the whole it kind of is the same thing with the draft hierarchy as well. Like when we talk about like catch and finish centers, they're they're not as rare, so they're not as high value. There's there's a higher supply, so there's not as much demand. Same thing with like three and D guys like spot up shooters, higher supply, less demand. Um, the guys that are, that have like very unique skills like Edwards and ball and them, that's more where that's where you have to try to get them when you can, because it's a more, it's a rarer thing to find, rare traits to find. I know I hear Ben Simmons is going to be great one day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Psychological thing. And, you know, he's he's an obvious exception where I don't know of any other player that's been so averse to shooting jump shots. Just purely Man. out of like mental just like fear of fearfulness of it. Except for it's maybe hard, it's hard to teach to shoot threes, I, I believe. And there I think there are multiple examples of it. But I agree with you <laughs> that especially at that number three you should have somebody high there. Let me ask you this and, and I'm sure that the answer is gonna be no. <laughs> he cut out the, the 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 conference call just like nope we're not even gonna let him ask it yeah <laughs> over conference didn't want to hear it they're like oh the answer's gonna be no let's get this out of here yeah he's like see you Zach yeah give him a second to see if he comes back but yeah um while we wait for for Zach to figure out what happened there um I guess we didn't really talk talk we can We'll do more podcasts between now and the draft. Um, we can talk more about Dia and some other lottery players, and then yeah. also second round picks. Um, but yeah, I'm. I don't know. Did you see what I wrote on Friday today, as of recording this, about the difference in like win shares for forty eight minutes from the pick to the eighth pick? Oh, I think so. It was like, yeah, so, it was like uh, that one. Who who it's was big. it at? Yeah, it was it was like Terry and Garrett Temple were the low the low yeah. end, right? Yeah. So I like full disclosure. I I didn't. It was not a comprehensive list of players that fell into that um, name. I had to use some subjective oh, yeah. because the list like there are good names and bad names in both of them. But like using my subjective analysis of like this list is generally populated by players like this. Um. Yeah, so the difference between the third pick and the eighth pick for this season was the difference between like Don, I think like Andre Drummond was in there too, um, and some other guys. 
and Terry Rozier and Garrett Temple. Um, or, and like the way I put it was in another conversation, somebody was like, it's basically the difference between like all-star-ish, borderline all-star and borderline starter. Yeah, um, that's, that's insane. That's so much. I didn't see you. I didn't think it was that much. That that comes from me just looking at the list of third picks and eighth picks. Um, the eighth pick is guys like Contavious Caldwell Pope and Terrence Ross and Colin Sexton and guys like that. And the third pick is like Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum and James yeah. Harden and like these just like all star all star guys. And it's just like well, it's and then and then the eighth pick, like I said, the best player is arguably like Terrence Ross or like. Jamal Crawford, if you want to go back farther. Yeah, the, well, I'll take one of the guys on the first stars. list. Yeah, so it's like, this is, it's, and this draft looks like it's going to be bad, but, you know, the, know. the odds that say, the percentages say, like, you know, this actually, that actually is a big deal to jump up to third because, you know, we always get these things wrong about the strength of draft. Not always, but, you know, people Often surprise. Time, and I do yeah. think, and I do see, it's, there's no Zion Williamson or anything, but I do see like these like, these guys having big impacts in the NBA. There's Jalen Brown. That's another third pick. Just just got a, a dunk to start the game against the Oh yeah, and I actually Joel Embiid. Thing, he Joel was Embiid's terrible third at shooting too. in college too. Mm-hmm. So that like yeah. Anthony, he's like uh, like him and him and Anthony Edwards are both from Atlanta too. So and they are both terrible at shooting <laughs> in college. And now Jalen's like Jalen's like a 37 percent shooter. He's like borderline all-star mm-hmm. so I, you're yeah i mean if you can add that like even at an average rate you're basically an all-star just off right yeah. off of that because you're putting up 22 <laughs> a game yeah oh. oh yeah yeah he shot 38 percent from three this season wow wow that's actually i thought on, he was like 36 or 37 on that's six a, on six attempts per game yeah that i was gonna say his volume went up a lot this year too like it, all of my friends are celtics fans so i watch them like a lot and just because they're Obviously, like the local TV. Like, yeah, yeah. Get it oh, free, you should but... get better friends, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get friends that don't live in New England. That's the only problem. But how does it feel? Enough. Tell your friends. How does it feel to steal all of the good things from Charlotte sports, dude? Every single person that I talk to that is like, I like if I tell them I like the Hornets, they're like, "Oh, thanks for Kemba Walker." I'm like, yes. "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> I, I got you." And then Cam Newton now too. Yeah, it's just that, like, that's yeah. It's not fair. Like it's just it's no. just Boston gets all the nice things and they take them from Charlotte. Yeah, see, like the Kemba thing doesn't didn't bother me as much, but like it sucks that Cam Newton is on the Patriots. Like that <laughs> blows. Like the, the Patriot, you they stink. The Patriots are bad. Everyone hates them, and I don't want to hate Cam Newton, but like not <laughs> in the this way year I do. Of, in this year of weird things happening, watching Kemba Walker in a Celtics uniform is very, very weird. And he said this thing about, you know, he's had an injury and he said, my injury is going to be good. We're going to play good basketball. We're going to go deep in, into the playoffs. And that type of positivity, you just miss that on a team, you know, <laughs> that type of leadership. You just miss that. Yeah, I do think, and we need to wrap the show up and I need to, we need to hear his last question, but I have talked to – I do think it's we, – we did get lucky in the sense that Kimba left and Devontae Graham has kind of stepped in. And he's obviously had a long way to go to become Kimba the basketball player, but he's become such a likable face of the franchise. Yeah. Like right off the bat. So it's like at least we got that like right away. And hopefully he keeps growing like Kimba did. 
we can just kind of well, kind of well this there. question do you pay Devonte, which we don't need to get into um <laughs> that that's going to be a huge question for the future my yeah, question yeah. for you guys with the pick yeah. and i'm sure that the answer is going to be no is do you trade this third pick in the draft let's say question. let's say okc comes at you they've got multiple first round picks but we know that they're going to be low but let's say you get multiple first round picks for this third pick in the draft do you take that okc deal if it was available i don't think you trade down in the nba in basketball like what, not for multiple picks no uh you weren't when you were having your connection issues we talked about this um okay. Basically, so you like never get to number three, and there's a big difference between three and eight. Yes, um, I do think this this draft may be a little different, but I agree with you there. Now, let me ask you: give you a different scenario. What if Philadelphia comes at you, and there's some combination of this number three pick in the draft where you can get a Ben Simmons, where you can swing an actual star player <laughs> onto this team? Would you consider that if you're cup check? I think you consider it, but I it has it. It has to be a very specific offer and like super like superstar player that fits the timeline and doesn't require additional compensation. You know, like because if you have to give up like multiple first round picks, like this team is like still needs those to sure. build. Because there's not a, there's still not. I mean, they could grow into it, but there's nothing here to fin- to definitively say like we have a supporting cast for a high level competitor. We just need a star. Like we aren't ready to confidently say that yet. So you can't be like, yeah, like sell the farm for Bradley Beal and, you know, profit. Cause then it's just like, well, what if it just ends up being the same thing we had with Kimba, where it's just Bradley Beal and not a lot else, which I think we're, should be beyond that point, but you know, you have to play it a little safe. You don't want to run. There's no need to rush. Number three pick Devante and Miles Bridges. Now Four. I'm just throwing stuff out in the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, I think you keep it just because, like, like I was saying, even though this draft does, on the surface, appear to be weak, like your odds of getting a really good player with the third pick are pretty good, and I don't want to like punt on that. Um, plus, I think it's easier to sell to your fan base right now, just to be like, hey, you know, we got like Lamelo Ball, like we're gonna be like we we got a star player in the few, like in the making. I think that's easy. That's a good way to kind of start building up a fan base and building morale as opposed to, I think you kind of run the risk of being like, Oh, classic Hornets, like trading away a draft pick for a, a veteran player, not doing the rebuild the right way. Cause Michael Jordan doesn't know how to rebuild and stuff like that. You know, you're this not going to let us leave this podcast. Oh, what were you saying, Chase? I'm sorry. Oh, that was John. No, yeah, John. I'm sorry. I covered. <laughs> Uh, you know, and this stuff does matter a little bit. I think you do have to worry a little bit about fan perception. So I think they just want to keep building a core of young players that the fans can kind of grow with. But uh, you can't let us leave this podcast without nailing us on who should be our our first round pick, right? <laughs> the prediction? Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to do it. Denny Adia. Denny I think, Ball Edwards, I think Ball and Edwards go first. First and second, and then I think cup check. I just have a, Rick Bunnell is all aboard the cup check train or the Denny of Dia train, and I know uh, Mitch Cupcheck has been overseas and scouted them, which to me seems like it's pretty heavy interest if he's personally gone to watch him play. So that's my prediction. 
Plus, you got exactly how what this team looks for in terms of his versatility, two way potential. I have but one thing to say: Lamelo Ball is going to be a <laughs> member of the Charlotte Hornets. I've been, oh, out, I've been putting this out into the universe for months, <laughs> along with some other people on Hornets Twitter, and so far, the results are unequivocal. They have been working. <laughs> you, know, you don't you don't jump from eight to three to not get Lamelo Ball. Yeah, you do it to get Lamelo Ball, so it works out perfectly. Until yeah, October, I, I, he's basically he he has a house in Charlotte, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. The basketball gods would not have answered your your prayers of uh, drafting Lamelo Ball if if they uh, by moving you up to number three to pick someone else, right? Exactly, it's just fate. Yeah. We would have gotten screwed if, if it wasn't meant to be. Like, they would have just fallen to 11 like they normally would have. But obviously, things aren't normal. So they might, they're they just going to yeah. be all the way in the opposite direction, and everything good's going to happen to us for, like, literally the it's first time ever. James, James Wiseman goes one, and, like, I don't know, Okongwu or somebody goes – like, Okoro goes two, and the Hornets can just basically pick who they thought they would have had a way yep. to – or had to get to number one to get – Exactly, that would work perfectly. Knowing the Timberwolves, <laughs> they would pick a, a center at one. Having <laughs> you move Cat to power forward, you know, like yeah. that would be really funny if they picked. I'll just go back for Timberwolves fans because they they deserve better. Yeah, they're not like they're them. West, and the Hornets Western and the Suns fans. Exactly. That's yeah. Them, the Hornets, <laughs> and the Suns are the three like. Just absolutely like just miserable franchise like fan bases <laughs> that just never have good things like happen to them really. I guess the Suns not as bad recently, but the Hornets and Wolves have just had some down years recently. Both of them got the luck that they deserved. Yeah, How because the that? Suns drafted Devin Booker. Yeah, that helps. Frank that helps. the freaking tank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they ended up getting both. <laughs> they got Frank. I can't even start. I get. We can't even start with that draft. But yeah, that's yeah. It would have been great for like, it also was great for the the whole like lotteries read conspiracy people. If it was like Timberwolves Hornets one two the year after it's Pelicans Grizzlies one two. Like, I know hey, the, the big markets they they really are shifting <laughs> oh, towards them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll do more podcasts because we clearly have a lot we need to talk about. Um. So thanks everybody for for rejoining us after our our break, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace out. See ya.